Don't be afraid to ride the lightning. Appropriately enough for a show about film and music, Todd Phillips cut his teeth with Hated, a documentary charting the life and death of notorious punk rocker G.G. Allen. Why, G.G., did you feel a need to, uh, to defecate in front of a live audience? Well, my body is the rock and roll temple, and my flesh, blood, and body fluids are a communion to the people. Produced while he was still a student, it was applauded by critics, but offered little clue as to how his career would develop. For while he's since toured with the band Fish to produce Bittersweet Motel, Todd's now best known for a string of hugely successful comedies. The most famous of these, of course, is the Hangover trilogy. Now he brings us War Dogs. Based on real events, it tells with characteristic verve the unlikely story of two slackers who become international arms dealers. You boys lowballed the entire industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, by how much? You guys came in $53 million lower than the nearest competition. I'm Edith Bowman, and you're listening to Soundtracking, a podcast released every Friday in which I speak to directors, screenwriters, actors, and composers about the use of music in cinema. Plenty to get stuck into with Todd. Given that his work features everything from Pink Floyd to Kanye West and Metallica to Graham Parsons. So who inspires him when it comes to the business of making his films sound right? The undisputed master, obviously. Todd Phillips, welcome to Soundtracking. I don't know where to start with you with music. Can I talk about you as a fan? What's the music from movies that you first remember having an impact? Oh my God, so many. I mean, certain directors use music yeah. so effectively. I mean, nobody more than Martin Scorsese, whether it's Gimme Shelter for the 15th time in one of his <laughs> yes. movies. He still has to ask permission, though. You know that's so funny? I didn't know that. We were literally having this discussion uh, two weeks ago where I said, I bet you at this point he owns the songs. Because I don't think the Rolling Stones could play it without you thinking of Martin Scorsese. It feels more like his song yeah. than their song. I mean, if you watch The Departed, he literally uses it twice in one scene. He restarts it. I mean, no one does that. I think when a director uses music really well, it's so additive to the film. And certain directors, and I'm not putting myself at all in the category of Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino, who's another director who uses music so perfectly, but it's something I take really seriously because it's one of the great tools you have as a filmmaker to really um, enhance your movie. When does it come into the project for you? It comes in writing. I mean, I write all my own movies, and when we're writing, we're always listening to music. And somehow in each movie, one of the things that's just on when you're writing finds its way into the film. On this last film, War Dogs, Pink Floyd, we were listening to one day, and we have a great sequence in this film that we set to Wish You Were Here. So, so you think you could tell Heaven from hell Blue skies from pain. The heartbreaking thing about music and movies that nobody likes to talk about is how freaking expensive it yeah. is. So you get your mind set on a song and you just can't get off it and all of a sudden Pink Floyd tells you they want X amount of dollars or pounds or what have you and uh, 
you're just like, oh, please, no. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you figure out a way to make it work. It's the one budget item that I don't mess around with. You know, when the studio tells you, oh, it's too expensive, you got to bring the budget down. I never touch the music budget because we always ultimately go over so <laughs> it's like always that. a struggle it's yeah. always the big names as well that charge way more yeah it's a real shame it's, a real, yeah, it's, it's like, like the little kids they're the ones that need the cash oh, do you know what i mean to stay alive the, the like... little kids you can get for free i mean you can take advantage of those guys because they just want their music out there but yeah i mean i remember on old school we used metallica and at that point in my life i only made one other movie but i remember dreamworks being like we're not paying this much money for metallica it was a big it was a big no yeah. we don't they go we don't pay that much for a single song but i fought and we, i won and we got metallica uh, master of puppets and it's so effective and it's just invaluable i mean I it's so worth it Well, I guess when you have something so weaved into the creative process mm -hmm. to remove that and replace it with something else, it's yeah, like it's, starting it, again. It, it's it? really hard. I'll give you an example on War Dogs. When they show up to Vegas to go to this arms convention where they yeah. meet Bradley Cooper, we had always had in Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. It was one of the great songs, and yeah. it just felt really perfect. was literally the largest amount would no. have been the largest I ever paid for any song ever Wow! and we even know them a little bit like we got to them personally yeah. and they just don't move on that number so we ended up replacing it with Graham Parsons yeah. which is good and effective yeah. and if you don't know that it was supposed to be Guns N' Roses like I do it's it works well but every time it comes on I go oh, <laughs> fucking Axl Rose <laughs> <laughs> as well the fact that you work with Cliff Martinez yeah. stuff, who I'm a massive fan of the work that he's done be it with Nicholas Winding Refn films or even things like Pump Up the Volume and all that kind yeah. of stuff as well he's, yeah he's big time he's uh, fascinating and you can't hear his stuff I think and go it's him you're right there are some you can you go oh that's Hans Zimmer that's you know it's big and it's beautiful and Cliff really is playing the tone of the film and some of it is in fact just that sometimes it's just tone sometimes it's just with a little like a note change in it and it's like the most perfect thing it's not all big music people think composers and they always think of 92 piece orchestras Cliff, it's like he does it all at his house in Topanga Canyon and he comes back to the editing room and he plays something for me and we tweak it. I mean, it was a really fun process to work with him. 
there a moment where he sends you something and kind of blows your mind in a way? Every time. He's so good. And if you have enough discussions with a composer and you are able to convey the language of the film to them, they get it and they are off to the races. Because it's not done yet. You know, you're sitting in an editing room and you can't show them the movie yet. So they're working on it the same time you're working on the edit. That's the hardest part. Once you're able to do that, a guy like Cliff can just nail it. It's pretty amazing. And he works fast. When did you decide that he was the right man for this particular film? I've been using the same composer for a long time, and I just, on this film, this film's a little bit of a departure for me, and I just wanted to change up certain um, key roles and people that I work with. So Cliff, I mean, you know, what he did on Drive, on that movie, I just, like, it really jumped out at me, so I just called him up. That's a great example of a film where the score element of the soundtrack from the film is a complete standalone piece of work. Yes. It's an you could literally piece of listen to it. That, listen to oh, it. that's beautiful. That's amazing. I agree. It's really special. stuff. I mean, have you even seen the documentary that Nicholas Winding Refn's wife made about Nicholas Winding Refn called My Life Directed by Nicholas Winding Refn? No. It's a documentary. It's phenomenal oh, wow. if, if you like Nick. But Cliff scored even that documentary because they're just collaborators. They work together, and he's got some cues in there that are some of the most beautiful cues that no one's ever going to hear because the movie was a tiny little movie, a documentary, but uh, it's beautiful. Christoph Beck was your composing that. What takes precedence? Is the score as important as the the contemporary tracks? People are going to remember the contemporary tracks more. I mean, a a score's job is to sort of sit most of the time behind the scene and sort of play along with the scene, whereas a piece of source music, like a contemporary piece of source music, takes over the movie, you know, a lot of times. And um, so they have different roles, but I think they're equally important. And even Kanye West has said to me, like, he gave us props for how we use that song, which is always fun when a musician reaches out and appreciates, like, how you use it. After they charged you all that money. I was going to say, yeah, does that mean you don't have to ask Kanye anymore? You've got free reign on any Kanye track? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No one's got free reign on any Kanye stuff. No, no. 
wait till I get my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I spent that on a necklace. I told God I'll be back in a second. Man, it's so hard not to act reckless. To whom much is given, much is tested. Get arrested, guess until he get the message. I also think when I think of the Hangover films, a couple of things. One being the credits at the end, mm-hmm. which is such a clever extra that you get as part of the film. Yeah, and it really kind of defines the, the movie. Mu- yeah, it defines the movie. Not well, just because a- the movie's a mystery and you don't really know what happened, yeah. if actually in the last 90 seconds those credits were basically laying out the whole mystery for you, like we're filling in every blank. How did you come up with what music you would use for those bits? What was that? Oh, that was Flo Rida, of course, yeah. sorry. Because that's a perfect example of one that you find in the editing room. We tried probably... 30 different songs, you know, you're just constantly putting something down until you find something that has the energy that just feels like the release that you want at the end of a movie. So yeah, I remember that now. The other thing I think of is In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins and Mike Tyson. That's right. Um, what came first? Did the song come first? No, that song was, t- that's always been one of my favorite because it's so beautifully haunting. It's literally always been one of my favorite songs and I've always tried to put it in a movie. <laughs> I remember we tried to open Starsky and Hutch with that song and it didn't make sense because it took place in the 70s and that song actually was an 80s song, whatever. But it's always been a song in the back of my head that just is really haunting and effective. And then it was like, how weird would it be if Mike Tyson, if that's his favorite song? And he's like, you know, I don't know. So random. Did he know it? No, we had to teach it to him. He was like, Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. He still got it. Even like with Judy, when you look at the list of tracks, it's like a, an amazing compilation album. Cool, was, thank you. You know, everything from Sam and Dave to Pink Floyd. Oh yeah, Pink Band, Floyd's in course, that too. Yeah, Wolf Mother as well. He's a recording artist Yeah. He's obviously a fan of. I love Wolf Mother. They literally have like sent me like posters and <laughs> albums signed and thank you notes. We use Wolf Mother in my last six movies. I use them in every movie. It's almost a superstitious thing with me at this point. I mean, I love his voice sort of like Led Zeppelin for now. I mean, of course, Led Zeppelin is the greatest of all time, maybe band, but I love his voice so much. We use different songs by Wolf Mother, by the way, but it's always Wolf Mother.
I mean, is there a ghost? Is that is just one of my favorite. Band That's of horses. my favorite. That might be my favorite cue in all my movies put together. Is Band of Horses? Um, is there a ghost? Is there a ghost? I love that moment and that song. I could sleep. I could sleep. When I lived alone, is there a ghost in my house? When I lived alone, is there a ghost in my house? My house. It feels then the music you use in your film is a real reflection of your tastes. It's almost like your record collection or your yeah. record booth there at home, kind it, of going, how do I feel today? You know, that kind it of kind of is. And, you know, you work with people. You work with music supervisors. I work with one of the best, George Draculius, who is just really like a legend. In fact, he's mentioned in a Beastie Boys song. So this guy's a great music supervisor now, and he does get frustrated with me. It's always music that you love. You don't have to love it to put it in a movie, you know? <laughs> but I really feel like you're right. It's stuff that I would either listen to or part of my collection or a mixtape that I would hand you. One, two, three, I started, you know, my first movie ever was a documentary on punk rock. Like, that was the music as a kid that I was into. I did a movie about Gigi Allen. Yeah. And if you look at old school, we have Black Flag in there, we have Killdozer in there. And if you look at The Hangover, we have Glenn Danzig starts it off. I was born in the soul of That's the second most effective thing, is the beginning of The Hangover. We use this song 13 by Glenn Danzig, which to me is about bad luck, the number 13, which is a weird song to start when you're going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. But it tells you that this is going to be a much darker Vegas movie. So again, it's all just setting and kicking off tones. And the people I'm always attracted to also are singer-songwriters. You know, I'm just, as a writer, I think songwriting is the greatest and most beautiful kind of writing when it's, it's done well. Stories, isn't it? Yeah, but in three minutes and, and, you know, we were talking about Billy Joel, but yeah. it sounds funny, but he's just one of the most great storytellers if you just listen to his lyrics, not to mention he's a beautiful piano player. And when you can do both, a la Neil Young or Fiona Apple or Billy Joel, it's just, that's everything to me. Some folks like to get away
Phil Withers as well is another artist that you haven't mentioned yet that you obviously I've love. used a lot, yeah. Love Bill Withers. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. A timeless artist. And a voice that cuts through. And, it, and the other thing you don't realize is when you're putting music in a movie, really the best sound systems in the world are in movie theaters. So you get to put it in in a way where they're hearing it in such a delicious way, so much different than in their car, that it awakens people to certain songs. Like Bill Withers is something you've heard on the radio a million times. When you hear it in a movie, it's so rich and so thick. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. just like a different experience. Are you musical yourself? Do you play anything? I wish. I wish more. I, you know, I have a kid now, and um, all I do is play her music all the time. I wasn't played music as a kid. I wasn't given instruments as a kid, but I have a dream that she's going to turn into Fiona Apple. <laughs> 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 like, that's my goal with her. I love it. I don't want her to be a doctor or a lawyer. I want her to just be Fiona Apple. I love the notion as well that you're kind of introducing a whole new music to a new generation because you cross so many genres and decades with your music as well, which is great. Yeah, we do do that. They, they it's don't, really important though. I agree with your first assessment, which is like, it's just like a great mixtape and it doesn't need to have a theme. I mean, you could have Black Flag in the movie and then still play Dust in the Wind, have Will Ferrell sing it and <laughs> yeah. it still somehow works in the same film. But yeah, I, I you know, it's funny if you go on the internet and you read about your movie, which I don't advise anyone to do, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that I enjoy when you see is people always going, what was that song in that scene? What was the song in that? You know, they're always curious about the music, yeah. which is fun. I really love what you do with music and how important you see it. Who are your favorite bands? Like I said, I grew up young listening to punk rock, and that was mostly due to my sister's influence on me, my older sister. And then I switched to like hip hop and became obsessed with hip hop from literally like the late 80s through now, I think. And now being, you know, Kanye and Jay-Z and Drake is unbelievable. My AI just changed. It just buzzed the front gate. I thank God you came. How many more days could I wait? I made plans with you. And I won't let them fall through. I, 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 controller. Like controller, controller. But somebody turned me on to something just really recently, an Irish musician named Foy Vance. Foy Vance, yeah. 
but I had never heard of this guy. I really like him. Just a beautiful voice. It was really, really good. Cool, cool, what do you know? Do you know that the hills are covered in snow? Where does it come from and where does it go? Tell me, do you know, Coco? Do you play music on set? We do. We play music in between takes, and it drives some people crazy. <laughs> and I tell people before I hire them, whether it's a lighting guy or a whatever, just so you know, we play music. When I say cut, music comes on, and it's just there while everybody's working. And most people like it, but there are some people that are like curmudgeon like, It's too loud, and it's too, yeah. I read once, it's important to set the tone of a movie on the set of a movie, and I really believe that. You know, we're not doing brain surgery. It's a movie, and you're there to like everyone to be creative, you know, and nothing pulls that out of you, I think, more than music. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Oh, um, this was great. I love talking about music. It's great. Real pleasure to chat to you on um, War Dogs. It's, it's, it's a fun and crazy and unbelievable ride as well. Cheers. Thank you. Soundtrack to Todd Phillips' latest film, War Dogs. That's The Waters of Nazareth by Justice. My thanks to Todd for taking the time to talk to us. You can find a track list for all of our shows by heading to edithbowman.com, where you can also subscribe to this podcast so as not to miss a single episode. We also have a dedicated Facebook page and Spotify account, which allows you to hear the music we feature in the order that appears. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. I'm Edith Bowman, and you've been listening to Soundtracking, a weekly celebration of music and film, which comes out every Friday. Our next guest is John Favreau, the man behind Swingers, Chef, and of course, Iron Man, whose latest gig has been to reimagine much loved Disney classic, The Jungle Book, with all the sonic delights it has to offer. I look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>